Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. It's time. Time for stimulating talk. Time for thought-provoking conversation. Time for the Lisa Wexler Show on WICC 600 AM and 107.3 FM. Turn on your brain and get the real scoop on today's topics and events. Here is Lisa Wexler. And welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show today. Hello and good morning. We're in the studio today. How's everything with you? You having a good day? So it's uh, very nice outside. It actually does not feel like January yet, but, you know, it's a little chilly, but not terrible. No snow yet. Are we going to have a record of the longest winter in Connecticut without the first snow? Have we had any snow yet here? 203-333-9422. I was gone for 10 days, but I didn't hear of any snow. I heard of a deep freeze, but no snow. 203-333-9422. Let me tell you who's on today. Carolyn Ryan is on. She is a lawyer, and she wrote an op-ed piece about how she feels that a particular law that was just passed designed to help children is not helping them and is not being somehow either interpreted correctly or implemented correctly by our judicial system. And she really wanted an opportunity to reach a wide audience That's why she wrote the op-ed. She's very actively concerned about the plight of children that are under the auspices of DCF in our state, as am I. So she's going to come on today at 1030. She'll be in studio with us to talk about the specifics of this law and her criticism of the way it is actually working out. And she also has a solution. And you know we're all about solutions on the Lisa Wexler Show, so... With information, we can solve problems. Also joining us at 1130 is Wayne Winston. And with Wayne, I'm looking forward to this. I want you to stay tuned for it. We're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, There was a, a comedian last night by the name of Jared Carmichael, who was the host of the Golden Globes, which are basically completely irrelevant. I wouldn't have even known they were on, except a friend of mine texted me. I'm watching the Golden Globes. So I'm like, okay, I'll watch it. And I watched it for five minutes. It was a snooze by the time I saw it. But I missed the good part. And the good part, apparently, was his opening monologue. 
in which he really went there about why he was hired, because he's black, about why he took the job, because it paid well. And he was funny and irreverent and fresh and good. And so we're going to play some of that monologue later at 1130. We'll chat about it with Wayne Winston. And we're also going to chat with Wayne, but I'm going to begin the conversation soon, about education and about some educational choices and about some of the things that are happening in our community. 203-333-9422 is our number. You can call me at 203-333-9422. Yesterday... Big topic, big news of the week and perhaps the month and year is that recreational pot is now sold and uh, more than $200,000 of the stuff was sold on the first day. The reports by the Hartford Current are, quote, appear to go smoothly. I noticed that there is one company that seems to be dominant of the seven different dispensaries. One of them named Fine Fettle seems to have at least three. And I would like to just say something. Editorially, my opinion, I'm going out there. I don't understand why I have to see billboards advertising pot on the side of the road. We don't have them for liquor, you know. When's the last time you saw a billboard advertising vodka? I don't think we do. I don't think we allow it. I just think we should have the same rules. But anyway, we don't. So we have these billboards. So fine fettle is all over the place. There's a big billboard on the post road between Westport and Norwalk that I saw yesterday. Opening day for recreational cannabis sales appeared to go smoothly with a spokesperson for the State Department of Consumer Protection saying that seven retailers throughout the state had recorded $250,000 plus in adult-use cannabis sales by 5 p.m. And the mandated yesterday was at 10 a.m. it could be sold. There were a couple of lines here and there in Brantford. Apparently there was a line by of 35 people that were waiting to get their pot by 10 a.m. But in New Haven at Affinity, there were about 90 at the opening. The director of security saying the line was from our door all the way down to Burger King at the corner. Many had ordered online before they arrived. Or in the case of Find Fettle and Affinity, place their order outside before they were allowed to enter the dispensary, either with a staff member or by using a QR code. And uh, they were trying to keep an orderly pace. They say business was brisk. At Find Fettle's Stamford location, there were between three and 500 pre-orders by 5 a.m. in the hundreds as well for Newington. Customers seemed that they were happy with the way how smoothly and quickly their purchase uh, went a New Haven man who would only give his name as Bob said, this is a bit of a rage quit for me. I want to be able to go up and look at stuff at the variety. Only a fool buys something you can't physically see. He then left and said he would not return. Others seemed pleased with the process. One person who would be quoted by the name of Randy Beach of New Haven said he ran the five miles from his East Rocks home to Affinity in Westville and came out with a five-pack of something or other. He said, I'm very pleasantly surprised. I just zipped right through. This is professionally run. So this is what I'd like to know from you. Did you go and buy some pot yesterday? Did you try and buy some? Are you thinking about it? Are you thinking about trying it for the first time now that it's legal? Is it something that you hadn't experimented with prior to this, but you'd like to experiment with now? I'm really curious. 203-333-9422 here on WICC. We are a community. This is a community-wide event happening. There is now something for sale legally and recreationally that used to be illegal for Bolton. 
forbidden, prohibited. And now you can just buy it if you're over 21. So because you can buy it, are you curious to try it? Are you curious to get high? Are you curious to see whether the high that you can get from what is legally sold resembles the high that you might have gotten in high school or college? I'm just curious to know, is this something where you suffer with anxiety or you suffer with some kind of an agitation or condition where you think that pot might help you, not quite rising to the level of medical marijuana where you would want to go to a doctor and get a prescription for it, but more along the lines of, you know, maybe this will help me just get through my day, like a Tylenol or a pill or an Advil, and um, I'm going to try it, and I'm going to see if it helps me. Are you somebody who suffers from neuropathy? Are you somebody who suffers from any one of a million kinds of generalized pain conditions where the painkillers that you're being asked to take are strong, have other impacts on your body, and you're saying, you know what, I'm going to try some gummies. Let me see what I think about this. And I'm curious to know, 203-333-9422. A lot of the legislators were crowing about this. While medical marijuana has been legal since 2012 and for sale since 2014, this particular recreational weed was legalized in June of 2021. So the CEO of Green Thumb Industries is a guy named Ben Kovler. He owns a company called RISE, R-I-S-E, and he said it's going to be a slow ramp, not a big slam. Brantford was the company's 77th store. So if you're paying attention to the rise of business and commerce in connection with pot, rise is going to be one of the numbers, one of the names that is going to rise to your attention because I guess they're one of the big players in this. I'm really not that familiar with who the big players are, but like anything else, I, like you, will be saturated with ads. I will be saturated with information, and at some point we'll all rise to understanding exactly uh, exactly who. Um, who's calling? 203-333-9422 on the number right now. 203-333-9422. Okay. Um, the seven dispensaries that opened on Tuesday were New Haven, Montville, Newington, Stamford, Willimantic, Branford, Meriden. Two other medical dispensaries were approved but did not open. One in Danbury, one in Torrington. And... Uh, Norwalk has finalized its own regulation on business locations. We spoke about this a couple of days ago. They're allowing retailers and businesses with apartments. They feel that they're a city with a lot of mixed-use buildings, and, you know, hey, so what if somebody lives upstairs? Downstairs, they feel they should be able to sell pot. It was a three-hour meeting that was held in a six-to-one vote. The PNC Commission approved the regulations with Commissioner Richard Royna as the sole dissenting vote. In approving the zoning regulation, the commission removed two significant stipulations. One that said retailers couldn't be in mixed-use buildings that include residents. That had been the previous law. They got rid of that. And another dictating the size of the plot on which new retailers can be established. And that was also eliminated. Let's go to Valerie from Stratford. Hi, Valerie. Welcome. Good morning, Lisa. Uh, I'm not sure if this is something you can address, but... uh, Is there any change that you would know of 
and any advantage in a cancer patient getting a uh, medical marijuana card. I know insurance doesn't cover it either way, but that being said, is there anything to be advantaged or does it still even exist that uh, someone who has cancer and would be, you know, obviously a candidate for the uh, medical marijuana card if that is is now, now a moot issue? You know, Valerie, you raise a really good point. As far as I know, the new law didn't change the prior status of being able to get a medical marijuana card. And it does raise the question, if insurance doesn't cover it, why bother to get one? Uh, except for one exactly. thing. and Except for one thing, Valerie. My understanding is, and I am not familiar with what it means to say this, that the most amount that you can buy at any one time is a quarter of an ounce. And I frankly don't mm-hmm. know if the dosage differs depending upon whether or not you have a medical marijuana card and may need a higher dosage in order to quell the pain from cancer. So the only question I would ask is dosage. Okay. And what, do you have any a clue as to where someone could find out this kind of information? Well, I know that if you if you are somebody who wants... If you are somebody who yourself has cancer and feels that the pain from cancer is something that you want to try pot for in lieu of or in addition to other painkillers, my advice would be to call a medical marijuana dispensary and ask about dosages. If they tell you the most amount of dosage you can get at any one time is still a quarter of an ounce, then there's probably no difference except for maybe the ease of administration. You know, maybe it's just easier for you to go to a medical marijuana dispensary. I don't know. And I also don't know price comparisons. So I would look at price comparisons and dosage. So going through the, uh, like, the medical channels where you're supposed to get a um, a card, et cetera, as we're speaking, that, that would probably not be a need. Well, it's not a need anymore, but that is a very good consideration, and you think that... Um, the actual dispensaries yes, that have this knowledge. I do. As opposed to like the state or somebody like yes, that. Yes, I would call the dispensary first, exactly, because they have to have some kind of pharmaceutical something there in order for it to be a medical dispensary. So they're going to know what dosage they can give you. They're going to also, and this is the other question that we have to learn to ask, Valerie, we have to learn to ask the question of potency of the THC. Because the potency, the potency very much has to do with the high. Now, they may tell you in the medical marijuana dispensary that, you know, they're, they're low on the high and they're high on the other aspect of the cannabis leaf, right? So it's, it's a little bit yeah, more that's complicated. The whole point. People yes. who are using it for pain, et cetera, you know, certainly would, you know, well, not certainly, but um, the, 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 um, aspect of being high is is counterindicated for some people who don't want the high you know that's, that's the right difference that's and right there's a lot of there's a lot of cbd products that promise you that there's no thc in them that there's no psychoactive ingredient in them that they've just extracted from the cannabis leaf that which will help you in other ways without getting you high and there's a lot of that and am I correct in, in trying to understand this, is that the ones, whether there's seven or eight, seven of them now, that are um, dispensaries for over-the-counter as of yesterday, they also are the ones that um, are doing medical marijuana? No. And are, no, they are not. No. no. 
Oh, no. Some of them, some of them, I understand, are companies that got a head start by being a medical marijuana dispensary, but it's not in the same place, is my understanding. Oh, boy. It's not in the same place. You know what, Valerie? Let, Let me go to a commercial. I'll come back with more information about medical marijuana dispensaries in Connecticut. Okay? Appreciate it. Sure. Thanks, Valerie. Thanks for the call. Got something on your mind? Tell Lisa all about it. 203-333-9422. It's the Lisa Wexler Show on WICC 600 AM and 1073 FM. And welcome back to the show. So we had a question about medical marijuana dispensaries, and there is a, a web a webpage devoted to this on the ct.gov site. There is literally a whole a whole huge page on portal.ct.gov. If you just type in medical marijuana, it will take you directly to it. And the bottom line is, and it's pretty extensive, I don't want to read the whole thing for you now, but the bottom line is that medical marijuana patients can have up to five ounces a month. Okay, so that's significantly more altogether unless you're somebody who's going to be buying a quarter ounce a day. And again, I don't know how much pot you're going to be ingesting. Um for logistical reasons, patients and caregivers who were approved prior to the change would have 2.5. But basically, you can get 5.0 monthly. I'm told by sources that tell me this that the price is significantly cheaper. So there may be advantages for you if you're going to be using pot and you actually have cancer or one of the other many conditions, that, and there are many, that have been listed as a reason to get a medical marijuana card, that you still wish to do so, okay? So, and some of the names of the medical marijuana dispensaries are the same as those that we know are the ones of the seven that were opening yesterday, but a lot are not. So, for example, Affinity in New Haven is doing both medical and the other, uh, Blue Point Wellness of Connecticut in Brantford is also in Westport, for example. That's only medical marijuana. That's not recreational marijuana. Cureleaf Groton, Cureleaf Hartford, Cureleaf Milford, Cureleaf Stamford do not appear to be one of the seven. There's a whole bunch. But on the other hand, the fine fettles in Newington and Stamford are two of the seven that I told you about that could be that you could buy recreational pot. So my point is there's a whole bunch more of medical marijuana dispensary facilities right now than there are right now of places where you can just buy pot because you want to. There are still many, many more places in Connecticut where if you have a medical marijuana card, you can go and fill your prescription. And and once again, the issue may be price and dosage, regardless of insurance coverage. So there would still be an incentive for some people to continue with the medical marijuana card. I'm Lisa Wexler. 203-333-9422 is our number. And so the question of the day continues to be um, all about this. And, and by the way, if you're one of the people that did get in line yesterday, how was your experience? How was your experience? I'd love to know. Uh, did, you, did you find the experience to be, as a consumer, easy, smooth, without too much fuss? Were you happy about it? Uh, there's a lot of crowing of legislators saying, you know, this day has come. We're so happy. 
so happy. I'm going to go home and get high now. Wow. Think about what they're happy about. Happy to be able to go home and get high. Hallelujah. I can think of so many more things to be happy about. 203-333-9422. I know I'm a Grinch. I'm a Grinch. It's not Christmas, but I'm a little bit of a Grinch. I'm a little bit of a bah humbug on the entire issue of being happy about being able to get high. Am I happy that 44,000 convictions are going to be erased for what we now deem to have been ridiculous, um, ridiculously over-prosecuted crimes? I am happy about that. I'm very happy about that. Make no mistake about it. I'm very happy about that. I want people to be able to have a fresh start and move on for things that were nonviolent offenses that, lar- that largely affected only themselves and were definitely discriminatory in their application and enforcement. I'm very happy about that. But am I happy that the whole world thinks that it's a great day for people to be getting high? No, not really. Not really. Because here's what I'm thinking as an implication. If, if it's legal... And we know it stays in your body for 30 days. But we know that the high doesn't stay in your body for 30 days, but we don't exactly know when you last smoked it. Then if you're an employer and you do your random drug testing and somebody shows up positive for pot, what are you supposed to do with that information? What are you supposed to do with that information? Is there another test that we have that will test actual impairment? What if you look at somebody straight in the eye and you think, you know, you're not quite yourself today. I'm going to give you a drug test. You test high for pot and he says to you, it's legal. What do you want from me? And I'm perfectly fine. That glassiness you see in my eyes, that's your imagination. It's your imagination. I'm totally fine. I smoked weed a week ago. I'm not high anymore. What are you supposed to do with that as an employer? Where are you going to go with that? I hope that we're going to have, I hope that some brilliant person is going to come up with some kind of other impairment screening thing, or we're going to have some sensible, commonplace policies and laws that say, you know what, if I think as an employer that you're impaired, and maybe part of your job is to handle machinery, maybe part of your job is to get behind the wheel of a vehicle, maybe part of your job is to simply have to be alert and deal with the public. Whatever your job is, if I've hired you, I want you to do it with a lucid mind. If I'm not happy about it, I should be able to send you home and not have to be accused in some way that I've done something wrong because you've tested positive for a substance that's now legal. But I don't know what we're going to do with all this. You know what I should have on, Melissa? We should have on a um, lawyer who specializes in employment law to talk about this. I'm going to get somebody on. Maybe we'll get Jill Halper on or Randy Lehrman. We'll get somebody on who knows the employment law. Because if you're an employer right now and you're listening to me, you're thinking, what am I supposed to do with this information? They're going to crow that it's okay because it's legal now? Well, how does that help me? Chris from Stratford, hello and welcome to the show. Hey, Chris, welcome. Um. First of all, uh, I do have medical a medical marijuana card. Okay, great. And I go to Milford, which has been very good, but they're looking to move because the town of Milford will not allow them to sell recreational marijuana. 
Um, they want more money. They want the yeah, big market. And which, which I understand. Sure. I mean, you know, but sure. they've been great. The other thing which you might find interesting is uh, medical marijuana is approved for neuropathy. Yes, I heard that. I know that. Yeah. Which I know your husband has. He does. He's played um, around with CBD, but not actual marijuana. Yes. Yeah. I've, and uh, the nice one thing most people don't realize, and there's no reason in the world to smoke marijuana. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not good for you to smoke anything. There are. Uh, I take a liquid concentrate from like an eyedropper, okay. which gives you a very precise dose, and you don't have all the uh, bad effects on your lungs. That's excellent. Uh, so it's sort of, a, I mean, whatever your feelings about marijuana, certainly it would be l- less harmful. Um, I've not found it helpful for neuropathy, to tell you the truth, except typically neuropathy pain is worse at night. Yeah, terrible at night. And when it's bad, it is a phenomenal way to fall asleep. Oh, I Uh, see what you're saying. Better than any sleeping aid. Okay. uh, Apparently uh, non-addictive. It doesn't get to the point where you need more and more or that kind of thing. Um, But, Chris, let me ask you this. Is the sleep? You say it's a sleeping aid. Does the sleep overwhelm the pain? Yeah. Yes. It allows me to fall. Fall. It allows me to fall. Sleep is one of the best remedies in the world for pain. So if if I have a lot of burning, like in my feet, which is typical from neuropathy. Yeah. Um, and I'll go up to bed, and if I take it like an hour before I go to bed, I can fall asleep very quickly. It, do you have? It will not keep me up. And oh, that's wonderful. And how long do you sleep for? Do you get a full sleep cycle? Do you get five oh, hours? Absolutely, I do. Yeah. You know, and the other interesting thing, I know you're uh, uh, again with your husband. Uh, yes. I have been recently put on low dose now now Trexin, um, which is a very interesting drug. That it's used, it's well known as a uh, drug that they give to combat opiate. Yeah, I know. That's why I'm listening to this. I never heard of this for neuropathy. Yes. And what happens is, and and it's uh, a paradoxical, I think they call it a paradoxical drug, that at the high dose, it creates creates a bad effect when you take an opiate. So it, it keeps you off of it. At a very low dose, they found that they had to taper their patients off of it. And they found as they tapered it to very low doses, the patients were telling them that, hey, I have less pain. So it's like a tenth of a dose of, uh, that you would take for the opioid addiction as a painkiller. And I'm just starting it, so I, I can't give you any... Uh, personal effects, but if you were to Google it and research it, as everybody does, um, you would find that the, the pain results are uh, quite phenomenal. This is not And it has to come from a compound pharmacy. A compound pharmacy. Okay. And which compound pharmacy do you use, Chris? Uh, I'm going up to Reliant and Southbury. Okay. Um, but it's, it's, it's N-A-L-T-R-E-X-O-N-E. Yeah, I know the and, drug. It's so uh, interesting. And, and it's a very low dose. Okay. And that's with, I mean, very minimal side effects, which, of course, becomes a big deal. Um, okay. Thank you very much, Chris. This is really good. I'm going to follow up on all this. Good. And if it helps your husband, God bless him. Well, he <laughs> suffers terribly, so we have to find him some relief. Thank you very yes. much.
Okay. Thank have you. Have a good one and have a happy new year. Thank you so much. All right. We'll okay. be right back. We're going to chat with Carol and Ryan and turn the subject around towards the understanding of and the implementation of a new law that was passed in order to help kids. And Ms. Ryan is saying, wait a minute, hold on a minute. I think that people in the judicial system and elsewhere are not really understanding how this law was meant to work. She has a solution for us. She's going to explain it to us. She's a lawyer who practices in the state of Connecticut. We'll be right back. Where Greenwich comes first for news and talk. The Lisa Wexler Show on WICC's 600 AM and 107.3 FM. And welcome back to the Lisa Wexler Show. Joining us right now is Carolyn Ryan, who is in the studio with us. Hi, Carolyn. Good morning. Good morning. Let's get that closer and... Hello, hello. Is that better? Yes. Okay, good. Uh, Carolyn, you're a lawyer in the state of Connecticut. It's nice to see you. Thank you. It's so nice to see you, Lisa. And you wrote an op-ed recently in, was it Connecticut Investigative Reporter or something like that? Yes, Inside Investigator. Inside Investigator, which is an excellent website, by the way. I love it. It's new. I'm really impressed with I'm it. I'm impressed yeah. with it, too. It's part of our daily show prep. And uh, you are exercised and upset because of a law that was passed relatively recently that was intended to benefit children and families, and you're concerned that it's not doing that, and I want to hear about that. So what is the law? So the law is actually a federal law. I'm sorry. Getting over a cold from a week ago, so this isn't my radio voice. We have our four <laughs> feet. We have to protect ourselves at all times. Yes. Go ahead. Yes. Um, so it's a federal law, um, and it is um, about... Um, hospital notifications. So this is really happening on a hospital level. The federal law is saying uh, that these hospitals must uh, do a notification every time a newborn is born affected by substances. And the hospital, so, okay, a newborn comes out, Mm -hmm. they do the little heel prick, and they test them for 35 different diseases. And then how, is a newborn always screened for substance abuse? Uh, It can vary hospital by hospital. Um, Hospitals are not uh, required to test newborns, but um, one just, I guess, for example, would be um, neonatal abstinence syndrome, like so if baby's going through withdrawal. They can see it. Yeah, and and it sometimes can be tested positive or negative, but it's something you can visually see. It's a baby affected by substances under the federal law, and the uh, hospital then has to do a notification to... um, Child Protective Services, or it can be another agency. Usually in Connecticut, that means DCF. Mm -hmm. Um, But this is the kind of interesting part. It doesn't have to be um, a child protection referral. It can be, um, it's just a notification. It can be a blind notification. So the way that might come into play would be um, if a baby was born affected by substances, but there's no safety issue. So one example would be a, a woman is on a prescription medication. I see. And the baby's born affected by substances. There's no, uh, no safety concerns, but we do this blind notification, and there's a lot when of... When you say blind, what do you mean by blind? Uh, no, no names um, of the mother or the newborn would so be So DCF gets a notice. There's a baby in Bridgeport Hospital that was born with some symptoms 
of having to withdraw from a prescriptive substance. Mm-hmm. They don't know the family and they don't know the name. Yep, it's just for, for data. For data. Know, for data. So, and that's because somebody in the hospital has made a judgment that there's no safety risk to the infant. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So that's the federal law. And um, Connecticut also codified that, like most states do, into state law. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, so far, so they good. They took the lead. But, um, and in order to really appreciate my critique, you'll have to, you, you and, your, and you do, and your listeners really have to appreciate the distinction between the words affected by and exposed to. Yes. So okay. we went over what the federal law and the state law is affected by. But unfortunately, in Connecticut, the standard that's being used is not what the federal or the state law says. How DCF is choosing to implement this is women who have exposed their children. And we don't know what exposed means because guidance isn't given to the medical providers. Does it mean at the, all, throughout pregnancy? Does it mean secondhand? It, you know, this could go out. I think you kind of see where I'm going at this, so how problematic this but is. But let's go back a yep. minute. The data is given blind. Yes. So DCF can't do anything anyway. What can DCF do? Do they call Bridgeport Hospital back and say, excuse me, we're not satisfied with your judgment. We want to know the name of the family. We think an infant is at risk. No, that's not really the concern. The The main concern is that um, by having a surveillance, by DCF saying to um, the hospitals that unlike other states where we're saying you need to monitor and report um, affected by Okay. We're saying you need to monitor and report for a notification purpose exposed to. And it's in the same portal where CPS investigations could also easily be. What um, is CPS? Sorry, <laughs> Child Protective Services. Um, it can easily kind of differentiate. And I think to really best uh, understand my um, kind of a critique of it, it, it's actually easier to compare it to how we're doing it to other states. I know. You did a comparison yeah, to New York. Yeah. So let's hear about New York. How's New York So in doing New it? York, um, they're very clearly explaining to their uh, uh, health care providers um, that there's a difference between affected by exposed to, more or less, don't refer things to us that are, you know, uh, child protective service referrals that are exposed, exposed to, unless you believe they are therefore exactly. also affected by. Yes, unless there's an affected by, we we only need this for CAPTA purposes. Um, Don't confuse affected by with exposed to. Um, And it can, it it has caused an increase in referrals, uh, CPS referrals for... Is your concern ultimately that Child Protective Services is interfering in a new family in a way that might take a baby away from a mother where it shouldn't be taken away from? Absolutely. And um, this is especially ripe with marijuana, which is um, the, you know, the, the one of the main points of CAPTA was because of the opioid. Sure. Um, and, and again, there's so much many benefits to having this data. But uh, what we're finding in Connecticut is that most uh, CAPTA notifications are marijuana. The odds that you'll be subject to a CAPTA notification are higher if you're black or Hispanic or poor, if you live in an urban um, setting. So, yes, I, I, I would also point out, you know, just because I think it is so helpful to look at other states, Rhode Island. I, I like the way Rhode Island is doing it. What is Rhode Island Rhode doing? Island, also like New York, is saying we interpret affected by to mean affected by. Um, and there, there the notification doesn't even go through 
their version of DCF. It uh, it really goes to the Department of Health because this is a data gathering. I see. It's like it's not even involving. Um, and you know, I did look at you know briefly. You know, though I've really been focused on Connecticut, I did kind of do a brief. So, Carol and Ryan, I'm just really interested because you know what we do is we make these policies, and then. We have pendulums that swing, mm-hmm. and then we have a case that appears to be a glaring example of bad judgment exercised in connection with that case. And so then for a while, everybody doesn't want to do anything about it. But big picture, big picture, we're concerned about babies that are born in the custody of parents who are not going to take care of them well. Big picture. Yes. And nobody wants an infant exposed to a drug-addled household. Absolutely. We all agree with that. Yes. Now, you say that marijuana is an issue. Are you saying, in other words, how does a how does a hospital know if a baby's been, quote, exposed to marijuana but not, quote, affected by it? I don't understand. Yeah, How's yeah, this happening? That's a, that's a good question. So one example would be prenatal or um, at uh, the hospital the mom could screen positive uh, throughout pregnancy for marijuana. So that would be a great example, but maybe the baby is born completely... Um, unaffected, you know, and and that happens too. So you might have exposure, but in New York, for example, that would New York would say correctly that is not a captain notification. That baby has who has been exposed to marijuana because they're born unaffected would not. And mean, we know they're unaffected because they don't test positive in their bloodstream for marijuana. Is that what you mean by unaffected? We don't really know long-term effect of anything. You know, it's really interesting what you're saying because I'm thinking about tobacco. Let's go back two generations mm-hmm. ago. My mother smoked. She smoked all the time. She smoked until she was 70 years old. The data now would suggest that one of the reasons I had asthma and allergies as a kid is because I was affected definitely, by definitely. Right, my mother's tobacco usage. But I think she was a pretty good mom. <laughs> well, I think she really absolutely. is a pretty good mom. Of course she is. Now, that may be different and distinct from it is, fetal alcohol syndrome. Wait a minute. Yep. Fetal alcohol syndrome, which let's talk about. Fetal alcohol syndrome is a huge problem with babies. But does that mean a mother who has a cocktail once in a while, who may have exposed her child, has affected her child? So Congress at the federal level did anticipate that. So the notification is at birth, not, at birth. you know, forever and not ever. forever. Yeah, you know, this is a notification that's taking place at birth. If it's not distinguishable at birth, it doesn't meet the notification. Uh, I mean, are CAPTA. you upset about the whole thing? Do you think it's too much surveillance? It is. It makes me so uncomfortable that DCF is telling our doctors to uh, survey uh women of reproductive age for exposure this is you don't an, like this in, at all it's a it's an insurmountable uh burden to put on reproductive age women in connecticut and why are we exposed to this surveillance that our neighboring states are not i did find an example where um expo- where the line is so blurred between exposed to and affected by and it's in mississippi for capta purposes where abortion's illegal, through you know, all together, where there's pr- criminal prosecutions for uh, women f- who, uh, you know, condo- conduct themselves during pregnancy in a way that the state doesn't agree with, or you know, so I do think that we're completely out of line uh, and backwards when it comes to our captive notifications, and I think, I think Lisa, it raises other questions too about the law in general. I know you could appreciate this um, with our background, but. 
when you have the state law and federal law saying one thing mm-hmm. and then the agency implementation of it yeah it's just completely have you spoken to dcf carolyn yourself about this i have flagged um some of these issues to their state advisory council and the commissioner but i have yet to receive a response we're chatting with carolyn ryan we'll be right back we'll take your calls 203-333-9422 and the topic we're talking about is miss um, ryan is saying that connecticut's interpretation of a federal law is one that has the potential to flag families, particularly mothers and their babies, for, quote, exposure to harmful substances, even though the baby hasn't been deemed to be affected by it, and therefore DCF could come in and swoop in and take the baby away from the mom. And that is her biggest concern. We'll be right back. If you're thinking about it, she's talking about it. Join the conversation at 203-333-9422. The Lisa Wexler Show on WICC 600 AM and 107.3 FM. And welcome back to the Lisa Wexler Show. We're chatting with Carolyn Ryan, who is an attorney who wrote an op-ed piece, an inside investigator in which she challenged DCF's interpretation of a statute which she says DCF is wrongly being too intrusive uh, because there was a new reporting statute that requires hospitals to report when, and, and it's just a reporting, they have to report for infants if they think the infant has been affected by a substance when they're born. And Uh, Carolyn Ryan says that DCF and their interpretation is saying that their interpretation is that it shouldn't be just affected by it, it should be exposed to, and that this is having an impact. Carolyn, 203-333-9422. We're going to go to your calls in just a moment. Carolyn, do you know of a specific case yet where you think that DCF has erred on the wrong side and split up a family that should not have been split up? No, um, I haven't. Um, And I don't suspect it's going to be... um, too much of that where it's uh, splitting up. I think it's the critique is more going to be in the investigative process. I see. Um, the fact that uh, an investigation is even, even uh, which, which can be very invasive. These folks come to your home um, and it's supposed to go on. Uh, they have 45 days to close it, but it can it certainly go on beyond that. Um, so I, I don't even anticipate um, that uh, a substantiation would likely happen because it doesn't meet the criteria. So you don't think it'll meet the criteria? Yeah, uh, in Connecticut. So substance use during pregnancy um, in Connecticut, that alone. Are you worried yeah. because we've legalized pot, though, that we are going to have more infants affected in utero? Well, I can say that um, substance use went up during uh, the pandemic uh, and... Um, I believe with the marijuana use, uh, with marijuana legalization, that certainly um, we'll see uh, more pregnant women who are using. Who and are do using you think they should be? Uh, I, you know, I won't. I won't reserve judgment. Well, you know, I, for will. That. I will. I, I yeah. will. I will make a judgment here, and I will say that when you're pregnant, you should abstain from any substance that could potentially harm your baby, and that would include alcohol, cigarettes, and drugs. I think that's sort of a no-brainer, and I'm hoping my daughter would do that, and I did that. Probably the most dangerous substance that I ingested, in addition to air pollution, which, of course, I couldn't help myself, was a lot of pizza and tuna fish, which might have had mercury, but what can you do? 
Um, at some point, you can't, you know, you just have to eat. But um, Well, I'd like to share with you a, you know. a, 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 a kind of sad <laughs> anecdote I heard out of, um, or that I've been reading and following out of uh, Arizona that's uh, made national news. And it's a woman who um, was a social worker for Arizona's DCF. And uh, she had um, really uh, debilitating nausea during her pregnancy okay. and tried everything. And, okay. Um, you know, personally, me, marijuana makes me nauseous, but for her, <laughs> but it, it was helped the her. only solution. I get you. I so she took it for a medical she reason. She used it um, throughout her pregnancy um, uh, at the hospital. I forget if it was her or the newborn tested positive, one of them. But the newborn was, you know, I, I don't recall that part of it, but everyone was healthy. Okay. Um, she was placed on a child abuse registry. Really? She lost her job at DCF Arizona because she was a social worker now on a registry. And this went back and forth between higher courts, lower courts, appellate court. And it, I think it just came out in the past two weeks. And all this time, did she get her baby back? Oh, she never lost him. Oh, okay. You know, sorry. She okay. never lost him. Okay. Um, it was more that she was on the registry. She, she lost suffered. her job. She suffered. She took a yeah. financial hit by, she had to leave state employment mm. and she took a social worker job elsewhere. Um, and after a lot of back and forth between uh, higher and lower courts, it was ultimately found out that um, uh, the decisions against her were overruled. Right. And, because, um, right. She, she was but taken off the that registry. What that talks about, Carolyn, we're talking with Carolyn Ryan, is harshness uh, along the way of prosecutors, a system that looks at the letter of the law, not the spirit of the law. Yeah, and in that one, what's interesting about it too, which is what I'm really talking about here, is that this wasn't a criminal. This mm-hmm. was this was all. Um, yeah, I understand. Yeah, this was a good yeah, lady who had a reason yeah. to take what she took to get through her pregnancy. And, 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 I understand. And what I really mean is, there was no criminal court involvement. This was all at the level of child protective services I see. and her own uh, her and own her employment own job. Her and her own, own job. job. Yeah. So it was at that level. It wasn't. Um, I know, but still know. terribly distressing and very. That was painful. a really sad case, yeah. and it took four years. Uh, I believe her. Yeah. Is four now, and it took it for, and I'm just like, you know, so that's why when so, I say but it I tells me judgment. that somebody should have taken a look at this from the mm-hmm. beginning and said, yes. Why are we torturing this woman? Yes, yes. Let's go to Gianna from Wallingford. Gianna, you've been on hold a long time. Thanks for your patience. You're chatting with Carolyn Ryan. Gianna, you there? Okay. Hi, Gianna. Gianna, I can't hear you before. clearly, honey. I can't hear you clearly oh. at all. Okay. Um, can you hear me now? Y- you're not too well. Is there a way you can have a clearer connection? Um, yeah. Sorry. Hello now. That's better. better. Thank you. Yeah, better. Better. Okay. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, sorry. I don't really know what to expect, but I've, I've appreciated your guys' conversation so far and the topic today really interests me uh interested me so okay Gianna, do you have any questions for carolyn or anything on your mind that you'd like to comment about what you've heard um i guess i can't think of anything off the top of my head um it was pretty interesting to hear oh thank you, you i appreciate your feedback yeah um i've had some dcf investigations and it's definitely, I mean, this is a little bit different of a topic, but um, it's just kind of weird to see the things that they take more seriously, I guess, than others. So I think there definitely needs to be some change in the 
way the system works and to help protect children and even people who are being abused. Yeah, I mean, you know, Carolyn, DCF is very often criticized because of the things right in front of their face of instances where it's very, very clear that a child shouldn't be in a home or shouldn't be with a particular parent. That's even more common, right? There are two, and one might have been accused of being more violent. Thinking about your Stanford podcast, uh, you're, you spoke about the Stanford yes, case the other day. Yes, Connecticut Protective yep, Moms, yep, yep, exactly. Yep. And I think that that is, I hate to say, far more common now in this state where DCF is criticized for not doing enough or, or, or being afraid to make a judgment to remove a child from a custodial parent who could be harmful to that child, who has been harmful, not could be, has been a track record and not preventing further harm. Yeah, I'm familiar with the case out of Stanford. It was really disturbing and sad. There are so many cases. Every single day I have to report on them. Every, at least every week. Would you agree? Every week. There's another tragic case of domestic violence where a child has very often been killed or terribly injured by a father most of the time, vast majority. Mm -hmm. Or there's a woman who's been injured by a former intimate partner. Um, One thing I found in, you know, with the research I have done is it does seem like um, the newborn section for with DCF seems to be like the redheaded child. Like it just seems like it's in this totally different Area. The area, you know. Um, it's being monitored by different people. It's yeah, a different kind of thing. It's just a different... Homeless. And you don't like the surveillance of women here. You think it's too intrusive. I do. I think um, pregnant women deserve to have... Um, to deserve to go to their doctors and to just be open and not mm. worry about the, the... That's a very good point that you raise. How are they going to... If women know about this law, and, the, and we will all catch on... How are we going to feel free to talk with our doctors with any kind of feeling of confidentiality Absolutely. if we know we're going to be reported? Even with the blind notification, the way I see it, you might say, oh, well, I can be you know, open with my doctor. It might be a, a nameless notification. Yeah, but it's still putting you in that same portal um, where it just takes one doctor or social worker to say, I actually do see that as a safety issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it pushes you over that threshold. So, yeah, I absolutely think this uh, is and uh, harmful to women. And it's harmful in that scenario to newborns because we know that women who don't get prenatal care uh, don't have as good as pregnancy outcomes. Um, yes. Gianna, thank you for the call, by the way. We appreciate you being part of the conversation. You take care of yourself, hon. You take care of yourself. Thank you. Um, So, uh, Carolyn, you like the way New York is doing this. You think New York is doing the right thing. The government should be collecting data. We're not sure what we're going to do with the data yet. We send it off to Congress and they're going to figure out. And you think it should go to the Department of Public Health. But do you believe, ultimately, that if a baby is born affected, affected by a drug, that the phone call should be made to DCF? So that is a that kind of would put me towards the beginning of the uh, our conversation when we talked about that you can have um, a baby who's affected by where there isn't a safety issue, yeah. like the one that I'm going right. to use is a, a Vicodin prescription. Right. Someone use it might use it for pain and 
you know, you might have a, you know, and I think there's other medications too where babies can be born uh-huh. where they're um, affected by substances. But if a baby, we'll use kind of a more extreme example where you have an illegal substance, mm-hmm. right? And the baby is going through like withdrawal symptoms that would under connect in Connecticut meet the definition for physical neglect. I see. And, and the, therefore the phone call would be appropriate. And then, and as you know, doctors and social work, they're all mandated reporters. They are. So, so you think if something meets the current legal threshold of physical neglect, which is somebody having withdrawal symptoms, God forbid, you know, when they're born, that that's, that that's okay to call DCF. It, our Connecticut's definition of physical neglect does meet what the CAPTA notification uh, criteria would be. So why we're going in this exposed direction? You think is unnecessary. I, I don't know why. Um, okay. And it's it is unnecessary. It's overreaching, um, and it raises a lot of liberty, civil liberty issues, and just also um, administrative questions um, about you, uh, our applica- application of. Um, uh, so I guess your next laws. step is to testify in front of the legislature. You know, and, and I want to counter it with the law is actually fine the way it's written mm. in Connecticut. It's these agencies. I'm really looking at DCF and the Department of Mental Health and Addiction Services who are Thank implementing you. this incorrectly. Thank you, Carolyn Ryan. We'll be right back. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. How would you like to look 5 years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking 5 years younger at 6 months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at lisa at lisawexler.com. 